Yes, sir. You already know what time it is. The young king is back from over a month off. I know y'all happy to hear from me. I know y'all miss me because God damn it, I missed y'all. It's comeback season. It's return season. The Bronx is back in the building. And I'm back. Back where I need to be. I missed you guys so much. I missed you guys so much. And we back. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 48 of this little thing that we call the Bronx Bias Podcast. I am your host. My name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. Deberon James. And this is going to feel so good to say we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start by saying thank you to everyone who likes, subscribes, shares, supports. Thank you to everyone who has been active and engaging with me on the social media platforms. I truly, truly, truly appreciate all the love and all the support I receive from y'all. Thank you to all the essential workers out there. Thank you to all the retail workers out there. Thank you to all the people out there providing their goods and services amidst this pandemic. And thank you to all the people out there who are continuously using their voices to affect change in a positive way. And lastly, I'll have some special thank yous. Thank you to everyone out there who sent me you know, beautiful messages of encouragement, of uplift, of upliftment, you know, during this difficult time that I've gone through, man, with the passing of my grandmom. You know, I appreciate all you guys' love, man. The messages really touched me. It really made me feel special. It really made me appreciate you guys more, appreciate this platform. You know, people sent me love and condolences and all those good things, man. And it just warmed my heart so much. Like, I really, really appreciated it from you guys. And man, it just it just feels so good to be back, man. It's been so long. It feels like it's been forever. And it just feels so good to be back, man. And I'm so happy to be back. I'm so, so, so happy to be back. So 
Man, I don't. I kind of even don't even know if I remember how to pod correctly. You know, it's like, man, you know, I'm just going through like the the full range of emotions. Like finally able to return. I'm so happy about it, man. And man, it's just such a blessing. You know, it's just such a blessing to come back and pod. So, with all that being said, man, we are gonna have a great, 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 great show, man. I'm in an amazing, fantastic, unbelievable mood. And I am ready, so let's go. I am in a very, very, very good mood. Today's intro was the song that had to be played for today. It had to be played for today. It is called Welcome Back by Mace off of his album called Welcome Back. And it was the perfect song to choose, you know. For me, returning, man, I've I've been through a lot in a very short period of time, and I tell you that. The last pod I dropped was Feb, well, not February, I'm sorry. It was uh, January the 3rd, I want to say. So, and I'm recording, I'm back recording today on, on February the 13th. So, you do the math, it's been over a month. And, um, you know, it just feels so, so good, man. It just feels so good to be back, man. And that's how I know I love potting. You know, I was thinking, you know, when the tragedy occurred, you know, would I ever even get the the bug back, you know, that was kind of a, a thing I was sort of worried about, you know, ever since the beginning of this, the, this creation of this platform, I just celebrated my one year anniversary on the 9th, February the 9th, you know, my grandmother was here for me the whole step of the way, the offer, the entire process, you know, from the early demo episodes I did that, you know, most of you guys never heard, you know, to creating the concept, to creating the logo to you know getting the business started like the every step of creating this platform she was there for and I was so I had that question like am I even gonna want to return to potting you know um after after she's left you know after she's left this earth and you know I was just decided you know I need to take the time off but I felt myself getting the bug back, you know, I felt myself getting the itch, the feeling like, man, I want to pod like I'm I got that feeling like, man, like, dang, I think I I, I want to pod. I want to pod like I, I got the feeling again and I'm just thankful for that. You know, that's just a blessing. You know, any job that I've ever had in my entire life, I've never one time was excited to come back to work. You know, whether it was a, a long weekend or if I took some days off, I was never excited to return. I was never like, yo, I cannot wait to clock in. I never had that feeling. But that's how I know, man, I really love potting. That's how I know I love potting because I had that itch, the itch I was, I just needed to scratch it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew I, I wanted to come back when I was like, talking to random people and i'm like i'm t- just talking to random people and i'm like but i'm talking a lot like i'm talking a lot a lot so i'm like i knew i just had that feeling like wow i'm getting the bug back i'm getting it back i'm getting that itch and here i am man so i got more you know shit i got a more detail more details to tell you guys about my time off and everything like that but all in all, man, I'm just ready. I'm just so happy that I'm back and I was so ready to return. And um, shout out again to Mace for the perfect song for my return. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. 
And uh, we got way more shit coming up. So, you know, stay tuned for that. So now it's time for my favorite, 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 favorite episode of episode. God, how long has it been? My favorite segment of the podcast. It is called Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know, maybe it's your first time listening to the show. Bronx Facts is a segment I like to do at the beginning of each show just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York, the borough that I love. So without any further ado, your Bronx Fact for today is the Bronx Arts Factory provides unique and engaging experiences to advance the arts and cultural education in the Bronx. The Bronx Arts Factory endeavors to become a preeminent art institution in the Bronx, committed to supporting local artists and art projects, and focused on making art accessible to communities in the Bronx. It also uses art to address social and economic inequalities in the Bronx. For more information on the center and the founders, Laura Alvarez, Tahira Khan, Alexis Mendoza, and Yolanda Rodriguez, you can visit bxartsfactory.org. And that is your Bronx Fact for episode number 48. Damn, son, where'd you find this? All right, so we're getting right to the shits today. Um, I first want to start with like telling you guys the story of like everything that's happened to me during this absence time. So, of course, uh, you know, first it was started because my grandmother passed away um, on Christmas Eve. And, um, you know, we we went through all the emotions, all the feelings, all the pain of her passing. And, you know, then we had to get right to work, you know, with planning the funeral and um you know, making all the phone calls, doing all the paperwork, you know, getting the funeral home, getting her final, you know, her requests done, you know, and uh, it, it's taxing. You know, you don't even realize how taxing that is. You know, the fact that you can't even grieve properly because you have to just work. So from that day where we got the news, you know, my family and I, we had been working basically round the clock, you know, I was finding able to find, you know, two pockets just to squeeze in the recordings I needed to just get the last episode out for the year, you know. Um, but other than that, you know, we were working nonstop, you know, we'd work, we'd work nonstop, maybe from the day we found out Christmas Eve to maybe Martin Luther King Day, you know, that was our timeline of just work, you know. And it was so draining on us. It was so taxing on us, all of us, you know. Um, and that was just, you know, I knew that I needed to take the time off. And I was thinking to myself, I said, you know, I really don't want to take the time, but I knew that I needed to take the time off. So I took the time off and, um, you know, I was just trying to decompress and trying to get my, you know, get my bearings, you know just trying to adjust to life without a a pillar, um, you know, 
trying to adjust to my new life without the one of my pillars in it. And I was thinking, you know, I ha- I had those thoughts like, dang it, you know, I don't even know if I want to pot again. But then, you know, luckily I got the bug back. But, you know, I was trying to come back to pod again. I'm recording on February the 13th. I was trying to come back last week to pod. I was had a I had a plan to come back on February the 6th and have that released on the 7th, an episode, a return episode. But you'll never guess what happened. I'm getting ready to come back. And on that Wednesday, I believe, or that Tuesday, I'm not even sure, can't even remember. I started to feel funny. I started to feel a little sick. And I was naturally thinking, oh, man, I got a cold, you know, because, you know, we just been, you know, grinding, grinding, grinding. You know, you could catch a cold. It's something that's simple. You could catch one. But it didn't feel like a cold, really, you know, because I had taken Alka-Seltzer cold and I had taken, you know, a bunch of na- normal things that you would take for a cold. It didn't feel like a cold. It felt a little different. And then one day, and again, I don't want to be graphic, but one day, uh, I think it was like, let's say I started feeling sick on Tuesday, maybe by Wednesday, the next day, I was like, I had a lot of diarrhea. And I was like, okay, this is something else. You know, I'm not, you know, this is not a regular cold. Um, So then my mom told me, she said, you know, I'm going to go. She told me she was feeling funny, too. She said, I'm going to go get a COVID test. That's what she told me. She was like, I'm going to go get a COVID test. So she went and she got a COVID test and her results took maybe a day or two to come back. So the next day I wake up and I'm feeling horrible, absolutely horrible. And I can't figure out why. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go get a COVID test, too. But I'm going to get a rapid test. I don't have no time to be waiting, you know. So I go to a local place. I get a test. Rapid. Do I get my results back within, let's say, 15 minutes? And our biggest fears come true for both of us. I test positive for COVID-19. My mother tests positive also for COVID-19. So now I'm sitting here thinking... Okay, now I definitely can't come back and pod the weekend. I want to do it. But now it's like, damn, now I have COVID. Like, I have COVID. And I'm thinking, like, god damn, like, maybe, you know, you have those thoughts. You don't know what to think. You're in a state of panic. You're in a state of shock. And I'm having symptoms already, you know. And as soon as I felt like, as soon as I got the results that said positive, the fever came. Bang, I had the fever. Then I had the chills. Then I'm like, then I had the body pains of COVID and I'm just like, God damn, like, is this it? Like, you know, you have that thought. You don't want to have that thought. You want to think positive. Of course, you know, COVID not going to take you out, but you have that thought and I'm dealing with these symptoms and I'm saying, oh shit, you know? So uh, we use, we go on a three one one, you know, we, and we find a place That's called a COVID isolation hotel. The city of New York offers hotels for people who contract COVID-19. And the reason why we needed to check into one was because I have a sister and she tested negative for COVID. So we definitely couldn't stay in the house and potentially spread the COVID to her. So we had to get out of here. So within one day, so the timeline is I start feeling sick Tuesday. I get the real deal symptoms on Wednesday. I get a test on Wednesday and I find out I have COVID on that Wednesday. By Thursday, I'm checked into that COVID 
isolation hotel. And I'm in there literally from that Thursday, which is what day of what day of the month was that? Um, that was I checked into that place on Thursday, February the 4th, and I literally just got out. I got out today, Saturday, February the 13th. And God damn it, I'm potting like but man, that let me just tell you guys something. Let me even before I continue with the story. For all you non-believers out there, for all you motherfuckers out there who have dared to say COVID is a hoax, who have dared to say COVID is not real, who have dared to say this shit is not serious, who have dared to say that this shit is bullshit, I only have two words to tell you. Fuck you, okay? Fuck you. Because COVID is not a fucking game. I knew it wasn't a game. And experiencing COVID-19 all the things that come with it, it is not a fucking game. It's not a game. Like, so every person out there who does not believe in COVID or just still believes that COVID is bullshit, fuck you. And although I will never wish this on you, you will really understand how real this shit is if you ever contract it. That's all. That's what I got to say on that. Like this COVID, COVID is not something to be played with or fucked with. Okay, like as someone who has went through it, man, it's not something to play with. So now I'm sitting, you know, for a week, you know, I'm shut down. I can't do anything. I can't move. You know, the people at the COVID isolation hotel, I want to thank them, man. They were so the hospitality was great. They gave you three meals a day. Um, They give you the hotel room. No one bothers you. They check you. You know, they check your temperature. They check your vitals. They check your oxygen levels daily twice a day they check you overnight to make sure you're still breathing like they do a great job and just making sure that all you have to do is worry about recovery and again i'm very thankful for that for that program for that center like i'm super super thankful for that so in the midst of my covid you know when you alone you know you you alone with your thoughts and i'm just thinking like man like what am i gonna do now like and I'm watching, I just happened to put on Netflix, you know, I just wanted something on the television. I'm watching The Last Dance again, the Jordan, Michael Jordan documentary about the Bulls. And he was telling a story about, you know, he had retired um, from basketball at the end of the 1993 season. And after he retired from it, you know, he wanted to play baseball and everything like that. But, you know, in the midst of his ret- first retirement, his father was, was murdered. His father um, was killed on the was uh, people stalked his father's car and they shot him and killed him. And, um, you know, when Michael was ready to return to basketball, he was, he was talking about how it was the, he was having a hard time because it would be the first time that he would play basketball on any level without his father being alive. And he mentioned that it made him feel naked. He felt exposed. He didn't felt like he didn't have the protection, you know, because he, his father was his constant. It was like his pillar. You know, he relied on his father so much for support, for wisdom and just for helping navigate him through his basketball career. And, you know, his father now passed away. He's going to play basketball now. And it feels so strange to him to play basketball without his father there. And I was just like, wow, that is like that's crazy. Like, I just felt. You know, obviously, I'm not Michael Jordan by any stretch, but I just felt like I identified with him so much in that moment because here I am trying to think about returning to potting. 
And my entire podcast journey is with my grandmother. She's just been there. She listened to every episode. She would call me and tell me about the episode, the things that she liked, the things that she didn't like. She would, you know, laugh and say, damn, Denzel, I didn't know you cussed so much, you know? And I was just like, dang, I feel that. Like, I just, I felt that so much. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, grandma definitely wouldn't want me to stop potting, number one. And two, like, you know, when you find that thing that's your purpose, you find that thing that's your, that is your calling, you know, you would be doing yourself and everybody else who loves you a disservice not to return to it. And that was kind of like what got me through COVID. You know, I, I knew I needed to come back and pod. I knew I needed to come back and survive. You know, obviously for my family's sake, we just lost someone. I knew I wasn't going to go out like that. COVID wasn't going to take me out. Even though there were some nights where I was like, Jesus Christ. But like, you know, that was just like kind of like my motivation. Like, I'm so thankful for the pod because it was like the thing. Once I got that itch back, I knew I had to make sure I returned to this microphone by all costs, you know, and dealing with all these things, dealing with the death, processing it, going through the full range of emotions with that. And then having the fear, the anxiety of maybe, you know, you might lose your life because you're dealing with this infectious disease, COVID. It's like I knew the pod was something that was going to get me out of there. It was going to get me out of there. Because I had that feeling like I got this inside of me, this this beautiful passion. And I've just got a taste of what it could bring to me in terms of just my overall happiness. I can't even think about my life without it. And that was going to get me through the entire experience. It was. Obviously, you got to be strong for your family and friends and everyone who loves me and has come to know me. But... The pod and returning to potting, having to come back, you know, touching the mic again was one of the biggest things that got me through that COVID. And I'm just so thankful for it. Like, I can't stress enough how thankful I am just to return to pod. And so many things have happened, guys. Like, so many things have happened. Of course, I want to talk about them as much as I can, obviously. You know, I can't obviously can't touch everything that's happened in this month and and change that I've been gone. But, you know, man, I just want to end the opening segment, man, with thank glory be to God, man, um, for for allowing me to survive this that covid. And I'm so thankful that I have something that gets me up every day that brings me so much joy, so much happiness and so much fulfillment that even when I'm enduring things that are very traumatic and very life threatening. It's like I still can fall back on this. And this will be my saving grace, my moment of sanity, the moment where Denzel can be Denzel and don't have to worry about nothing else in the world. And that's just a blessing, man. That's just a true blessing. So I'm very thankful for that. And again, rest in peace to grandmom. I love you. I miss you. You nothing is possible. Nothing as nothing I've do, I, I do and will do in the future would be possible without you and how much you affected me. So again, I'm just so thankful for having you in my life for as long as the Lord allowed it. And we're going to keep it going, man. We're going to keep it going. I just celebrated a year and I look forward to many, 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 many more years to come with this podcast. So, you know, I just want to fill you guys in, you know, (laughs) of what's been going on with me over this month. And, 
you know, uh, you know, we're going to keep it going, man. We riding this bitch till the wheels fall off. And that's all I got on that. That's all I got on that. I'm so happy to be back. And so moving right along, you guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. And Twitter is R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-G-H-B-R-H-D. There are no vowels in neighborhood on Twitter. And I'm asked, and I'm saying and repeating it for the one millionth time because I ask you guys weekly to send in comments, questions, concerns, feedback, constructive criticism, whatever you have for me. And you guys have not let me down since the start. You guys are so amazing, man, and I truly appreciate you. Um, so we're gonna answer one of the questions that I have received this week because I got there's so much shit to talk about. Like there's so many things to recap. It's like, I know I can't, I can only do one question today because we got a whole bunch of more talking to do. So I will answer the one question that I have received here. It says, who is an artist that you used to really be into, but now you aren't? That's a good question. That's a good question. I would say logic. I would say logic. Logic is my answer. Um, I got introduced to logic in 2015. With his album called The Incredible True Story. That was the first time I ever heard him. And I really liked it. I really liked what I heard. You know, I, I became a fan off of that one album. And so, I, you know, obviously you go back in the archives and then I heard his first album called Under Pressure. So that was two, his, that came out in 2014. And The Incredible True Story came out in 2015. So I was like, wow, like I think I, I really like this guy. So... Over the next course of, what, seven years now, he has released a whole bunch of projects. But the problem is with him, he was releasing projects so, so frequently, it became a quantity over quality type thing. So after The Incredible True Story, which came out in 2015, he released Bobby Tarantino 1 and then Bobby Tarantino 2. He released the album called Everybody. He released the album called Young Sinatra 4. He released an album called Supermarket, an album called Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And the last one he released was called No Pressure. And all of these albums, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven albums in the course of seven years. Well, his last one was 2020, so six years, was mid. It was some was mid and some was just straight up trash. And I said to myself, I would much rather prefer you take two years to produce an album than just to produce one for the sake of producing one. If you take the best songs off of all of these mid albums that he put out, it would make one great album. Like, I don't understand why he was so concerned with the frequency of dropping, you know, so quickly. I didn't understand. But then after he released the album, No Pressure. He revealed that he was retiring. So I said, oh, okay, if this is an album, a label thing, you you have a quote-unquote album contract, you need to submit a certain amount to fulfill your album obligation, and then you can retire. It's like, okay, I understand that. But at the same time, we suffer as fans because I'm telling you, Bobby Tarantino 1 and 2 was mid. Everybody was trash. Young Sinatra 4 was trash. Supermarket was trash. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind was trash. And No Pressure was trash. And it was like, well, what's the point of that? Like, 
you I feel like as an artist, you you get more luster the less we hear from you. You know, the less we hear from somebody is the more it makes you want, you know, the absence makes the heart grow fonder. So if he's like Kendrick Lamar and he takes his time and releases projects, the projects hold more weight when they finally release. Like Kendrick's last album was 2017. We itching for new Kendrick. We are itching for it. So I just like I was really, really into Logic. And then, you know, over the course of those albums that came out, I really lost the love for him. And I'm not saying he's trash or anything. It's just like he was just not putting his best foot forward, in my opinion, with these albums. But, um, yeah, he's definitely an artist that I was really into and excited about. And then I really just lost the love for him. So hopefully if he decides to unretire, you know, I know he had a child and everything. He wants to be a great dad and raise his child. And I respect that wholeheartedly. And I love that, actually. Um, But if he decides to come back, you know, I'll give him a spin. But I feel like he just lost that. That what the magic that he captured with no with under pressure and with the incredible true story. So that is my answer. Um, and thank you, thank you, thank you again, guys, for the questions. Again, I can only do one today because we got a whole bunch of shit to talk about. But I truly, truly appreciate you guys. I appreciate the love and the support. And we're gonna keep it going. And I look forward to answering more and more and more and more and more of you guys' questions, man. So thank you again. I appreciate it. So the first topic that we're going to talk about, uh, the main, main topic, like of world happenings that I want to talk about. We got to start 2021 with Carl Cassidy. We got to start with Carl Cassidy because that's how the year started. So on January the 6th, 2021, um, there was a, a storming of the United States Capitol. Um, there was a, a insurrection. That's the official word for it. Carried out by an angry mob incited by the former president, Donald Trump. Um, and it occurred on, yeah, January the 6th. So that's a long time ago. Think that's how long I've been gone. Um, and basically, uh, is called to action by Trump. It was thousands of his supporters who had gathered in Washington, DC, um, in support of his false claims that the 2020 election had been stolen from him and to demand that Mike Pence and the Congress reject Joe Biden's victory. So on the morning of January the 6th, um, at a quote-unquote Save America rally, Trump repeated the false claims of election regularities. And um, he said, if you don't fight like hell, uh, you're not going to have a country anymore. And at his encouragement, thousands of protesters then walked to the Capitol where a joint section of Congress was beginning and the Electoral College vote was being counted again to formalize Biden's victory. So, you know, Many people in the crowd, you know, breached the police perimeters and stormed the building. They occupied, uh, vandalized and looted for hours. Literally, they assaulted Capitol Police officers and reporters, erected uh, nooses and had different signs and had different chants and was were attacking people and stuff. It was like a real scene. And I was just like, yo. White people, white privilege is nasty. It's so crazy. It's so nasty. It's so, I don't even know the proper word for it. Because I recall shortly before this, after the murder of George Floyd, after the murder of Breonna Taylor, after the murders of all these, the black people who have been murdered over the years, from Trayvon Martin to Freddie Gray to Mike Brown, to uh, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, um, T- 
Terrence Crutcher, uh, you know, et cetera, Sandra Bland. I remember protests in the streets. I remember just as recently as last summer, protests in the streets that were met with police resistance, like police in riot gear, where the police officers were battering people, were assaulting people, were running people over with their cars, were throwing tear gas and shooting rubber bullets. I remember all of that shit real vividly. So then fast forward to this white riot. And it was so, it was like, I was blown away by the lack of quote unquote preparedness, right? That was needed in this moment. And this is the capital. This is not like a regular city. This is not like the homies who was protesting down by the Barclay Center in Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the capital where the White House is, where the Congress is, where all the important nation's buildings are so i had to say to them i had to really think and say how the fuck could something like this even happen and the common denominator is white skin when you white it's gonna be all right like because they can literally do that or do something like that and when black people peacefully protest i remember seeing a video of elijah mccain when people were honoring him rest in peace Elijah McCain was a young man um, who was murdered by the police. Um, Of course, mistaken identity and everything like that. And he loved to play the violin. So people organized and in his memory. They gathered in a park and everyone who loved him and knew him came and played the violin in his honor. It was actually it was quite beautiful. It was it was really beautiful to watch. The police came in their riot gear and broke the shit up. And these are just a bunch of people playing violin in the honor of a young black man. Playing the violin in honor of a young black man who was murdered. But white people could storm the Capitol. It's it's, the caucasity of it is so fucking crazy, dog. It's so crazy. It's just like, but that's white privilege, man. That's white privilege. That is white privilege. Like, and, but what I will say and and what I have liked to see is that justice is being served. So this was a terrible incident that left us all with a black eye, a black eye for America. But what I have noticed is that there was punishment now for this. And, you know, when the people who invaded D.C. tried to leave, it they, be, they became, um, being placed on no fly list and those videos are great when those white people who think they they could do whatever the fuck they want realize that they can't and they're getting yanked off of planes and they're getting trapped and they're getting jailed and they're getting questioned and they're getting detained and the fbi is looking for them and the fbi is finding a lot of them and you see some of their kids are even diming them out like actually no my uncle went his name is so-and-so and here's his address and they're getting snatched up by homeland security that's been great to watch because I love it when white people get knocked down a peg, you know, because they really think they run shit. They really think they own shit. You know what I'm saying? So that was good to see. But that shit was really a black fucking eye on on the country. Like and, uh, you know, it was his last stand. You know, he Trump, D- Donald Trump was not going to be a guy to go down quietly. You know, that's just not his M.O. And. You know, he was impeached again and it just came through that he would not be charged. Uh, 
he would not be found guilty, I should say, for inciting the riot. So the the second impeachment um, wasn't necessarily passed. And basically the purpose of the second impeachment is so he can never run for public office again. Obviously, he can never be president again because, you know, no one would really vote him in. But it, if you impeach the second time and it goes through, um, he would one if he did get found guilty of inciting that right, he would face jail time. And two, he would never be allowed to hold any office whatsoever again. He would never be able to be a governor, a mayor, um, a vice president. He would never be able to hold any type of office whatsoever if that second impeachment went through. It didn't because, again, white privilege. But, man, it's like people woke the fuck up. I will say that. Now, again, you know, through the legal system and everything, he he kind of he got off with a slap on the wrist. But people really woke the fuck up like and they said, yo, this nigga is really cancerous to the country. You know, racism or empowering racists, I should say, is not something that we need at any point in any point in history. And I think that he's his mark, his lasting legacy will be. You see how dangerous things can become when uh, white supremacist gains power. And I think that his presidency alone, his four year, his four year reign and then the white riot on the Capitol will leave such a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Even people maybe who voted for him. Um, it's gonna leave such a sour taste in, in all these in everyone's mouth that no one of his ilk or no one like him or no one who has the same morals and values as him will ever be able to hold such an office as the presidency. And I look at that as the positive. I'll spin that in the positive. So, you know, that white riot was absolutely nutso, it was bonkers, it was crazy. But I think that like I think that um that that his lasting that lasting mark will make sure that another person of his ilk will never gain that kind of power ever again and that's the positive i'll take from it that's the positive i'll take from it um also another caucasity story um and it has to do with trump there's a story out about kellyanne conway kellyanne conway um is the ex campaign manager slash chief advisor to um, former President Trump. And this story came out, I want to say, in like late January. Um, and I'm, re- I'm going to read this from Variety. So this is the headline. This is more Caucasity. The Caucasity Chronicles Part 2. The headline reads, Kelly Ann Conway accused of posting topless photos of her 16-year-old daughter on Twitter. <laughs> You heard me right. Kelly Ann Conway accused of posting topless photos of her 16 year old daughter on Twitter. Kelly Ann Conway, ex counselor to disgrace former President Trump, allegedly posted topless pictures of her daughter Claudia, 16, on Twitter. Reach for comment, a Twitter representative told Variety the company's teams are investigating the incident. Quote, through technology and human review, we'll proactively remove any images that violate the Twitter rules, the spokesperson added. Kelly Ann Conway cannot be reached for comment. According to screen captures posted by users on social media, Kelly Ann Conway's account shared an image of her topless teenage daughter, 
using Twitter's recently launched Fleets feature, which deletes posts after a 24-hour period similar to Instagram and Snapchat stories. The fleet was removed, but not before Twitter users documented it. On TikTok, Claudia Conway on Monday posted photos confirming that the picture was authentic. Those have since been deleted from her TikTok account, but Twitter users reposted copies of the videos. In the videos, a visibly upset Claudia Conway speculated that her mother may have accidentally posted the image. Quote, I'm assuming my mom took a picture of it and to use to use it one day against me and then someone hacked her or something, she said. I'm literally at a loss for words. If you see it, report it. In, no, in one of the TikTok videos, Claudia Conway said that nobody would ever have a photo like that of her. So, Kellyanne, you're going to fucking jail. You know what's crazy about Caucasian? This is just off of, on a tangent. I love how white kids can just cuss out their parents. Like, I swear to God, it's like the most amazing thing to me. Because live, growing up in a black household, I still to this day am nervous about cussing around my mom. Like, especially my grandma. Never in person. Like, never. That's why my grandma will be so surprised when she would hear me cuss on the pod. Because around her, that's just a no-no. Around your mom, around your your aunts, your uncles. Like, you just don't do that. Like, that's just a no-no. And I'm a grown-ass man, and I'm still afraid to cuss in front of my mom. If she hears it on the pod, she hears it on the pod. But in front of her, like, in normal conversation... That's just the respect level that you have for your parents. You never cuss at them. You never you wouldn't dream at cussing at your parents. You like I feel like mom I I'm 100% bigger and stronger than my mother. But I feel like if I let an F bomb go in front of her, she would have every right to give me a whooping and I wouldn't even try to defend myself. Like cuz that's just the respect and the reverence you have for your parents. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, so shout out to the white kids out there who just be cussing out their parents because that is something that I just look at and just marvel at because I'll be damned if I ever fix my mouth to try to cuss out my mom. Like, that is some craziness. That's just craziness. Anyway, back to the story. Um, Last week, Claudia posted a series of TikTok videos accusing her mother of physical and verbal abuse. In August of 2020, Kellyanne Conway announced that she was exiting her White House post to focus on her family after Claudia claimed she was seeking an emancipation from her parents over alleged trauma and abuse. Um, and then there was an update about it. Uh, this was also from Variety. Uh, Claudia Conway urged people to stop calling authorities. She said that her and her mother will be taking a break from social media and will work on their relationship. Claudia emphasized that making threats against her family puts her in danger and quote that she knows her mom would never, ever post anything to hurt her like that intentionally. And she believed that she was hacked. So look, man, only in a white family, I tell you, only in a white family would your mama take some pictures of you topless or, or even naked and have it where it comes out on social media so everybody sees your business. And then you get out on Twitter cussing her out, telling her fuck you. And then a few days later, we're going to try to work on our relationship. Like the dynamics of white families are incredible. Watching from afar, and I don't have many white friends, 
watching from afar the dynamics of the white family is just something that we need to write books about like <laughs> we need to make national geographic specials about these these savages <laughs> about these savages and how they run amok in society so those are the two real big big caucasity stories um that i had missed and i wanted to recap but trust and believe i got more cat caucasity for you um the next caucasity story i have to bring to your attention or at least that i wanted to talk about a little while was has to deal with my team <sighs> has to deal with my favorite baseball team the new york mets I miss the days when the only time we would talk about the Mets is just about how much they were bad at baseball. Or even when they had a, a a good year, you know, we would talk about the players and the game and everything like that. The last few stories that we have heard from the Mets have all been bullshit from when they hired Carlos Beltran to be the coach, to be the manager, I should say, he's a former player of the Mets. When they hired Carlos Beltran, that he immediately had to resign because he was uh, named in the Astros cheating scandal. And then from when the Will Ponds, you know, got caught up in that Ponzi scheme by Bernie Madoff, they lost a whole bunch of money. They've been trying to sell for a long time. Then the Mets get a new owner named Steve Cohen. And, you know, then we hire, we have a, 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 um, a GM named Brody Van Wagenen who gets hired last year, but then he, gets caught on camera cussing out the former owners of the team, the Mets, because saying that they were ignorant and they didn't get America, they didn't get understand nothing, and he got fired. Then we got a new GM, and this is where the story is, um, and that he just got fired because uh, he was being a nasty white boy. So this is the story. This is from ESPN. New York Mets general manager Jared Porter acknowledges sending explicit images to a female reporter when he worked for the Chicago Cubs. New York Mets general manager Jared Porter sent explicit unsolicited texts and images to a female reporter in 2016, culminating with a picture of his erect naked penis, according to a copy of the text history obtained by ESPN. The woman, a foreign correspondent who had moved to the United States to cover Major League Baseball, said at one point she ignored more than 60 messages from Porter before he sent the final lewd photo. The text relationship started casually before Porter, then the Chicago Cubs director of pro scouting, began complimenting her appearance, inviting her to meet him in various cities and asking why she was ignoring him. And the text showed that she had stopped responding to Porter after he sent a photo of his pants featuring a bulge in the groin area. Nasty Matt, nasty white boy shit, nasty white boy shit. Porter continued texting her anyway, sending dozens of messages despite the lack of a response. On August 11, 2016, a day after asking her to meet him in a hotel in Los Angeles, Porter sent the woman 17 pictures. The first 15 photos were of the hotel and his restaurants. The 16th was the, sa was the same as an earlier photo of the bulge in his pants. And the 17th was of his bare penis. Reached by ESPN, Porter acknowledged texting with the woman. He initially said that he had not sent any pictures of himself, but when the exchanges showed that he had sent selfies and other pictures, he said that the more explicit ones are not of me. 
those are kind of like joke stock images. Who keeps joke stock images of dicks in their phone? Like, <sighs> Caucasity is crazy, man. Caucasity is crazy. After asking whether ESPN was planning to run a story, he asked more time before later declining further comment. And on Tuesday, on that following Tuesday morning, the Mets fired Porter, according to a tweet from new owner Steve Cohen. In my initial press conference, I spoke about the importance of integrity, and I meant it, Cohen tweeted. There should be zero tolerance for this type of behavior. Dog, I've been gone for a month and change. There's way more Caucasity stories, but that is just a taste of of caucasity if you guys aren't familiar with the term again i got that from my guys deeds of samaro bronx legends and caucasity just means the audacity of the caucasian people and that is just a more of a taste because i sprinkle in caucasity stories usually on most podcasts but that's just a taste of the what caucasity is like from a white riot on the capitol Right. A white riot to a woman, a mother, former political aide, leaking photos of her naked daughter and then having her naked daughter cuss her out on the Internet and then say they're trying to work it out to a white guy who gets a good job and starts sending pictures around of his dick to a reporter. And it's just like dog, like the caucasity knows no bounds. You're a caucasity knows no bounds and it's just nuts bro it's just super super crazy like that's more caucasity chronicles and i guarantee you over the course of the this podcast we're going to be talking about caucasity way more like there's going to be so many caucasity stories to break it's going to be even hard to keep track of those were three super duper caucasity stories and i only missed a month like Imagine what is next for our asses in 2021, okay? Caucasity is is just, it is a bigger pandemic than COVID, okay? Don't catch that Caucasity, man, because it's going to have you out here doing some crazy ass shit. <laughs> I tell you that, man, don't catch that Caucasity. It's going to have you out here doing some crazy ass shit, bro. That's all I got on that. So shout out to Jared Porter, to the White Riders, and to Kelly and Claude, Kellyanne and Claudia Conway for helping me bring premium content to my return episode. And shout out again to Jesus and Meryl for introducing me to the term caucasity. Because it's just the perfect term for what what these events that transpire with these white people. Now I want to do something. I want to see if I can call my friend because I want to talk about MF Doom. Obviously, he passed away. Um, it was reported on New Year's Eve um, 2020 that MF Doom, legendary hip hop artist, had passed. And um, what I want to do is I spoke to my friend about it, but I want to see if I can get him on the phone. His name is Marlon, and um, he's one of my really good friends. And we're like super, super music nerds. Like he's someone I can call and we'll talk about like music just for like hours. Like we've always been that way. And actually, like I always tell, I give him credit. Like he's the guy who actually introduced me to Doom in high school. I was like maybe 14 years old, 15 years old. It was the first time I ever heard him and he introduced me to him. So hopefully he answers. Let's see. Um, And I just want to like maybe see if he can like 
put doom in a in a capsule because we had talked about it previously um like through text like when the word came out that he passed away and um like you know he had a really good like he put him into like a good framing so maybe he could put it on the pod let me see if he answers the phone this is this is some uh <laughs> this is some next level stuff let's see if he answers let me call him let's see if we could get him hey what's up bro marlon my guy my guy first let me tell you i'm recording so don't say anything incriminating. Okay. Don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> don't say anything incriminating. All right. I'll introduce you to the pod. This is Marlon Daniels, my guy, one of my great friends. I've known this brother since what? 2006, right? You gotta be. My guy, my guy. So I was talking about Doom, right, on the show. And I remember when we, I had like texted you about it. Yo, how can you put Doom into a, into a, if you had to explain Doom to a person who had never heard of him before, how would you put him in a in a capsule, right? Because I was saying, I was like, I'll give Marlon credit. This is my guy. We always talk about music together. He put me on to MF Doom. Like, this is the guy who introduced me to Doom. So I was like trying to, I wrote a few things down, but like, I was like, how can I even explain to the general public maybe who don't even know about him? Like what kind of guy he was, what kind of MC he was, or just his overall demeanor in music. So I was like, "Damn, let me let me fucking call him. Let me see if he answers, and maybe we could get some like some real like just from just from another voice his their perspective on MF Doom." So if you could, can you tell wow. the people out there what he kind of like means to you, or if you could just an uh, alien came from outer space? How would you explain MF Doom to that person? Oh, man. What did I write? I think I wrote something pretty nice. I would rather just, like, piggyback off that. I might be scrolling through our messages right now to see what I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, yeah, I wrote, damn. Honestly, bro, I am still in disbelief. It was in response to, like, uh, you texting me about mm-hmm. Doom's passing. Yep. And, and I was like, the thing I loved about Doom the most uh, was his authenticity. Like, I truly believe most artists are comparable to other artists that came before or, or, or come after, you know? Like, inspirations all around. You can see the influences in a lot of um, artists. Like, like Tierra Wack is a very popular artist of super, today. Super dope. Really artist, you know? Um but I see a lot of her influences coming from, like, Missy Elliott, you know, that very, like, Afro-futurist, like, weird, but, like, super comfortable in the weirdness kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I also wrote, but I, 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 I cannot, like, think about one that can do that, like, like, like the villain, you know, like, I'm a doom. Um, there's just no, there's no comparison, and that's how you compare him. That's how you describe him. Like right. he's, he's like, uh, oh, like of oddity. He's like, <laughs> he's like the one thing in the shop that everybody's like, how did you get that? And like nobody really knows, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? He's like, 
He's like, you go over to your your grandfather's house and you see that one weird thing and you're like, what is this thing? And he's like, he's like, I'll explain it to you one day. And he died. That's what MF3 is. <laughs> <laughs> Like when I think about Doom, I you know what I love about him the most, you know, because hip hop is 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 pop culture. It's mainstream, you know. But Doom was the guy to just say, you know, I don't care about the I don't care about all the other ancillary things that go into music, you know, because the popularity contest, how many cars I got, how many bitches I got. He just completely dedicated to the art. And, you know, he didn't even care about he didn't even want you to look at how his face looked. You know, that's why he wore the mask, because he said, mm-hmm. you know, that is going to distract you from the the music. All he cared about mm-hmm. was the music. And I'm thinking like, mm-hmm. you know, artists like that. People look at hip hop, I should say people look at hip hop now as a way to get on and to get access and to get popular and famous. But there's a lot of art out here or artists out here who don't really necessarily who are not necessarily involved with it for the art, for the pure art, right? So that's why artists like Tierra Whack, when you when she comes on the scene, you're like, yo, this person is super, super, super dope because you could tell that they just put everything into the art. And that's what Doom was. That's what Doom was to me. When I think about Doom, it's the just the quintessential, I want to put everything into the art and fuck everything else. It's just about the art. So I love, I love, that, I love that you said that because part of the art was the mask right like this man like 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 i've been listening i didn't even know i was listening to doom for that long like i started doing some deep diving because of his passing and i was like oh he was in kmd yes kmd was uh what was his name zev it was uh zev love x right when he was in um kmd zev love x you remember that yep when you were in high school and you had your little peach was like oh peach like here's my chinny chin chin i thought about like i was like oh that was doom that's crazy all right so this is what i want you to do this is two things i want you to do for me before we before i uh you know wrap it up with you one i'm gonna close the pod today with an mf doom song of course I want you to mm-hmm. choose between two songs because this is the two songs that have been on my mind in terms of what to play. It's either Rhinestone Cowboy, that was from Mad mm-hmm. Villainy, or Vomit mm-hmm. Spit from MM Food. You choose. I'm going to let you choose which one I play. Oh, it's got to be Vomit Spit. Vomit Spit? Yeah. All right. It's the beat. You hear it I- in the street sometimes. Yeah. Blared in the street so the people can stare at them rhymes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And my second question my second question for you is what was your number one album of 2020? Mm. Any it could be any genre. It doesn't have to necessarily just be hip hop or R&B. Any genre. Uh, number one album on the spot. On the spot. That's right. That's right. Uh, number one 
Well, I gotta give it to Carefree. You know my boy Mick Jenkins. Always drink water. Drink <laughs> more water. I don't know. I got it. I just gotta give it to Mick. I you don't giving know. it to Mick? Or, oh, oh, Dreamville is going crazy though too. Ah, why you do this to me, Denzel? Yeah, we get. And the Spilligion joint went crazy. That's JID, Earth Gang. Uh, who Ooh, else? Yeah, that Dreamville. shit was hard. Yeah, I gotta give it to that. Damn. Yeah. So you're gonna give it to Revenge of the Dreamers, or you're gonna give it to Spilligion? I'm gonna give it to Revenge of the Dreamers. Okay, I like it. My number one. I don't even. I gotta send this to you if you haven't heard it. My number one for the year was Reasonable Drought by Stove Guy Cooks, New York artist um, from Syracuse. I want to say, um, twelve songs, and it's just it's crazy. If you have not heard it, I'm gonna send it to you right now. It's just it's my number one. It's like there's not a skip on it. It's my favorite shit for the year. Reasonable drop. Okay. I'm going to send that. Hey, yo, shout out to the Bronx Bias podcast for putting me onto the Griselda Records. Oh, John. yes. Let's do Wait, hold on. Okay, so I can't keep you on too long, right? Because I have such a problem. Like, I talk too much, right? No <laughs> But, yo, how fire is Griselda? How fire? It's, it's just, it's, it's angry. It's, it's raw. It's that, that gangster shit. I just, Oh my god! I don't even know words. You know, it's more of a feeling. It's more like, oh, you know, it's yes. like your muscles tense. Yes, you know, <laughs> you're making that. If you listen to it, you just get that stank face. Yeah, when you hear boom, 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 you know, you know, it's time. You know, it's yes, give me time, bro. Don't let me take you off. You know, we could chop it up all day. Yes, yes. So. Um, wait, hold on. I got one more thing for you. Um, so that's Griselda. That's number one album. That's MF Doom. Um, have you heard that Jasmine Sullivan Hotels? No, but my oh my god, dude. This is what I want. This is what I'm gonna do. Actually, I want you to listen to Jasmine Sullivan Hotels. Right, just listen to it whenever you get the chance. Hit me whenever you finish listening to it. And then I'll call you and I'll have you like give like a five minute review of hotels because you are gonna love hotels. You're gonna love it. As soon as you listen to it, maybe I could get you on next week or the week after. I want you to like just give five minutes to hotels because you know, obviously people think of Jasmine Sullivan as, you know, I'll bust the windows out your car, lions and tigers and bears. <laughs> But like you know, so we think of Jasmine Sullivan as like the original Hurt Bay. Like she's always the best. Our best version of her is when she's hurt. Listen to Hotels, okay? This is like if you put if Jasmine Sullivan like evolved, like you know, like Pokemon, you get your your Pikachu evolves. This is like Jasmine Sullivan evolving out of Hurt Bay and going into like bad bitch number one. Like it's the complete like I can't wait for you to hear it so we could talk about it. So like from a Dragonite to like a Dragonair, is that what it is? Yeah, so yeah, so it'd be like Jasmine Sullivan with Lions, Tigers, and Bears was like Dragonair, and then with Hotels, it's like she's Dragonite, like that, exactly like that. Gotcha. <laughs> Loving it. I cannot wait Thank for you. I can honestly, I just can't wait for you to hear it. Like, I can't wait for you to hear it. Is it going to make me cry? No, nah, it won't necessarily make you cry. It's basically like. In the more like the women empowerment vein, like I'm that bitch and y'all niggas is gonna bow down. 
like that. Okay. Like, so like in the Meg vein, like in the Meg vein or in the um, Cardi yeah. vein, like just these, the women out here saying like, nah, actually I run things. Mm-hmm. Y'all niggas think oh, y'all I- run things, but I actually okay. run things. Yeah, I, I cannot uh, wait for you to hear it. I can't wait for you to hear it. A big fan of that. Yes, that HBIC shit. Yeah, I sent you that playlist. Nah, come yeah, on. Yeah, that HBIC shit. Um, you heard that? I you heard that whole Armani Caesar shit too, right? No, bro. I sent you that Armani Caesar shit. Listen to if you uh, that's that another HBIC type shit that Armani Caesar. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you for answering. I was thinking like, damn, is he even going to answer? Thank you for answering. <laughs> and I hopefully I can get you on maybe within the next two weeks again. So I could so you could tell the people about hotels. Thank you, my Appreciate it. All right. Love you, bro. Love you. You too, man. Take it easy. Stay up. All right. You too. My guy, man. That's my guy, Marlon. Shout out to Marlon, man. Shout out to Samuel Gompers High School. That's where me and Marlon met. Um, and, like, we've just been friends ever since. We always talk about music. We always just have a great time. Like, you know, that's, like, our thing. You know, you like, every friend you kind of have, like, a thing with. I could talk to Marlon about music forever. <laughs> like, ever. Like, we could be on the phone, and I'll call him about one thing related to music. And we'll be on the phone for like two hours. So that's just my guy. I'm so glad he actually answered the phone. <laughs> Shout out to Marlon, man. That's my guy. And I want to play you guys um, some some things from MF Doom. Like, I want you guys to hear him. Like, just hear him speak. I'm going to play a song, of course, at the end of the show. But I just kind of want you guys to hear him speak because, you know, he was um, a kind of a recluse guy, kind of a invisible guy. He didn't really like to be seen much. But like he actually sat down and did an interview and he like explained a lot of his mentality um, in terms of just his art and the way he expressed it and the way he carried himself, why he wore the mask, his advice for the future generations. And it's just some really great shit from a really, really great dude. Um, Music aside, he's just a really, really solid dude and a guy who I really respect and a guy who I really love and. And it really hurt me when he passed away, like, and it was revealed he passed. And, you know, I just got I kind of just really want you guys to to just hear it from him about his mentality and maybe get a little piece of of what kind of artist he was. So I'm going to play you a series of two clips. Um, The first clip is him explaining why he decided to wear a mask and why he was never seen without it. And the second was kind of like some uplifting advice for the future and how young people and creators could could create and be sort of like him or be just just so content with making their art that everything else doesn't matter so um this is uh mf doom you know i guess obviously um the mask is a huge part of doom can you just for those who you know are new to this can you explain a little bit of why doom wears the mask why he's only seen with the mask yeah no doubt yeah, the whole mask thing, really, it, 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 it's a time in hip-hop where things, from my point of view, started going more to what things look like opposed to what things sound like. You know what I mean? Before, we ain't know what MCs look like until we went to the party and seen them rocking, you know what I'm saying, or seen them, you know, 
Most time you see him rock on at a show before you even knew. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, before video, pre-video, you know, so, you know, you really was going off the sound of the record, straight skills. See, once it started getting more publicized and, you know, it started being hip-hop, started being more of a, a money-making thing, then you get these corporate ideas where you want to put what it looks like to sell what it sounds like. But we dealing with music, so... What I did was I said, all right, look, I'm going to come with the angle of it don't matter what I look like, you know, it don't matter what the artist look like, it's more what the artist sound like. So the mask really represents the, the whole, like, to rebel against the trying to sell the product as a human being, you know what I mean? It's more of a sound, so, you know, and at the same time, it, you know, it, it's something different, you know what I'm saying? And it fits with the theme of the rebel, the villain. Where, you know, to him, he don't care about the fame and all that shit. That shit is of no consequence, you know what I mean? It's more of the message of what's being said. So I think it helps people focus more on what's being said. It's still entertaining. It's still like the theater, and it has the appeal of, uh, you know, something that could be considered entertaining, but that message is still there. That, yo, you know, villain represents... Anybody, anybody in here could wear the mask and be a villain, male, female, any race, so-called race, you know what I mean? It's about what, where, where you coming from, from your heart, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what is the message, what you got to say, you know what I mean? So that's, that's mainly why I um, chose to bring the mask into the fold. Um, actually, I think this is where we're going to have to uh, wrap it. But um, you have anything you want to say to these young, impressionable minds in conclusion? Yeah, you know what I would say? Follow your heart. That's the number one rule. Follow your heart. Like, a lot of people might not see your vision yet. You know what I mean? People might call you crazy and think it won't make sense. Follow your heart and, and just follow it all the way through. And that's when you'll see you making new ground and people will appreciate it later on. You know what I mean? Never try to do something to impress the next the next man, you know what I mean, or the next woman. Like it's really about what you see and, you know, what you have inside, you know, everybody's a unique individual here. You know what I mean? So you have something to contribute. So whatever it is, follow that and bring it out and share the table with all of us, you know what I mean? And um I'll say I have to say like just thanks for all y'all support. You know what I mean? It's people like y'all that have me continue to do it and see a, you know, I see it as valuable when I, you know, when you guys show appreciation. I'm like, wow, you know, somebody out there actually listening to know what my crazy ass is thinking about, you know what I'm saying? So, so I appreciate that. I have to say thank you guys. I just want to say thank you to him. Thank you, MF Doom, for everything that you've done in this music space. And again, I know a lot of people may not even know MF Doom, like, but. Man, a tremendous artist, uh, 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 amazing wordsmith MC who loved rap, who loved hip-hop more than anything. He loved the art, and he is one of the people who I maybe look to when I when I continue to pod, you know, because I, you know, I said it before, like, I just love podding, you know, and... and and it's like, wow, it's like someone who dedic- could dedicate their entire life to something and not really care whether he became this big ultra megastar. He did it for the love of the art. And I and that is so impactful to me. Like, 
you know, doing this pod and everything like that. It's like you do it for the love of it. And and the moment you lose the love is when you should stop doing it. You don't do it for what it could bring you. Obviously, you love to what it could bring you. It brings you money and security and all those other things, popularity even. But you do it because you love it. And and the love of, of your craft, whatever your craft is, is what is going to keep you focused on it. It's going to keep you motivated. It's going to keep you passionate. It's going to keep you um, willing to try new things and adapt because you just love the it's the pure love of the art. And MF Doom is one of the earliest people in my life who showed me um, that just doing something for the pure love of it. And man, it's it's such a tragedy that he is gone. And and I just want to say rest in peace. Rest in peace, MF Doom. And um, just remember, just remember all caps when you say that man's name. Rest in peace to the legend, MF Doom. And lastly, let's do a little bit of a sports wrap up. So the uh, biggest sports things that kind of happened when I was gone, obviously one is the Super Bowl and two is the new look Brooklyn Nets. Um, the Nets made a huge, huge, huge splash um, trading for uh, James Harden. <coughs> pardon, pardon me. Trading for James Harden from the uh, Houston Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets. And the Nets are, you know, me and the Knicks have a love-hate relationship. More hate than love uh, of recent years. But the Nets are like kind of like a really, really fun team to watch. And you get to see all their games if you live in New York because they air on the Yes Network. And like sometimes, even if the Knicks game is on and I'm watching the Knicks game, if I flip over to the Nets game, they just have so many intriguing players and so many intriguing storylines. It's like I get caught up watching it and I forget about the Knicks. And um, man, obviously, I don't believe that they're going to win the championship. I don't believe that. I think that even if they make the finals, if they play the Lakers, they're going to lose because my guy LeBron James is still in the fucking building. Respect that man, the king, anyway. But, like, they're super, super interesting to watch. And the way that James Harden went about getting his way out of Houston is stuff of legend, okay? My son spends all offseason partying in the strip clubs, doing his thug thizzle. He comes into training camp over fucking weight. He looks like the fucking Michelin man, like the black Michelin man. Then... He goes onto the court. He's ready to play basketball. This is real regular season basketball games. He's playing with Houston at the beginning of the season. He's fat and out of shape. He's still dropping 30 pieces. He's still dropping 30 piece nuggets on a nightly. And you're like, and you know, you even got some of the sports reporters saying like, damn, I guess this guy could just do whatever he wants. He can party all night, hang out with the strippers, hang out with his rapper friends, gain all this weight and still drop 30 piece nuggets. So then... When John Wall, I mean, not John Wall, I'm sorry. He's on the Rockets now. I'm thinking about him. When James Harden is ultimately traded to the Nets, his first game with the Nets, we looking at him and he's lost. It looks like he lost 20 pounds in one day. So I'm like, this fucking guy is a legend. This guy is a legend. The ultimate, I know exactly how to get what I want, ass nigga. He knew exactly how to get the fuck out of Houston. He knew 
what team he wanted to go to. He knew how to get there. He knew how to force his way out of town. He knew how to still make it look like he was still good at basketball, even though he was super out of shape. And then when he gets to Brooklyn, he's in shape all of a sudden. It was It's absolutely amazing. And it's something that needs to be remembered. The ultimate finesse job that James Harden did to the Houston Rockets. Shout out to that brother, James Harden. And my other sports story, um, of course, we got to talk about the Super Bowl. When the Super Bowl aired, I was dealing with COVID. I was stuck in that COVID isolation hotel. And I was kind of like looking back on it. If I was outside doing my regular thug dizzle, I would have lost a whole lot of money on that Super Bowl, even though conventional wisdom should have told me otherwise. So I was watching like ESPN and all these other sports you know, outlets. All of them were just unquestioned, unquestioning going for the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. That's all of what they were saying. They had some blowout scores. They had it like 35 to 7 and um, 34 to 17 and 48 to 20, like outlandish scores for the Kansas City Chiefs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, but if you know anything about football, You don't bet against Tom Brady like you just don't. Tom Brady is this kind of football. I don't know, like this football wizard or something like Tom Brady is 43 years old and he's still playing at an elite level. And you just don't go against him. This man before this last Super Bowl has six Super Bowl rings like you don't shit on that. Like you just can't shit on that. He wins all the time. And I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Tom Brady has repeatedly kicked the Pittsburgh Steelers teeth in ever since I became a fan. Ever since I started watching football, every time the Steelers play the Patriots, if Tom Brady's healthy, he routinely would kick the Steelers teeth in. Okay, regular season and postseason. And it just I don't even hate him. It's just like I just have this utmost respect for him because he's just a super, 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 super athlete. And, you know, he's just. He's just a football magician. Like, it's something that you marvel at. You can't even get mad when he beats the shit out of your team because he literally does it to everyone. He does it to everyone. So the day of the Super Bowl comes, and I don't have no bets. You know, I don't have, obviously, I can't go to any Super Bowl parties and anything like that because I'm dealing with the COVID. And, you know, I'm watching the all the pregame shows. They're all consistent. Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas City. No one is giving them any respect. No one's giving Tampa Bay any respect. And in the back of my mind, I'm saying, watch Tampa Bay win this motherfucking game. In the back of my mind, I just have that feeling. It's like, you know, when you're in a horror, if you're in a horror movie, you know, the killer is around the corner. You just a matter of when is he going to show up? So I'm saying to myself, Tampa Bay is going to fuck around and win this fucking game. Dead ass. Like, I just had that feeling. So, of course, the game starts and Tampa stomps Kansas City. They end up winning 31 to 9. They hold the best offense in the league to nine points. They didn't even score a fucking touchdown. Tom Brady is out there in his element, bro. Pinpoint passes, hella accurate. The running game got going. Then he started getting in his bag. He started screaming on Tyron Matthew. He started screaming at him. And I was like, oh, Brady's that nigga, man. 
And as I'm just saying this, my Steelers, I felt my Steelers fan card going out the window. Like I felt like the Pittsburgh was gonna come and repossess all of my memorabilia because I'm just sitting in that hotel room just fanning out about Tom Brady. Because it's just amazing. It's just you don't get to watch these type of athletes every day. You know? Like anytime you know, I wasn't alive to see Muhammad Ali in his prime, but I know when Muhammad Ali was boxing, it's just a moment. Like you just watch the moment. I had the pleasure to watch LeBron play his entire career. It's a it's just a moment when he's on the floor. Like it's just you can't even explain it. You just hooked on it. And it just makes you a fan because if you love the sport, you're gonna love the amazing athletes that play the sport. And Brady, man, he's just I got nothing but respect for the brother, man. I got nothing but respect for him. Speaking as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, shout out to Tom Brady, man. Seven motherfucking Super Bowl rings. Tom Brady himself has more Super Bowl titles than any other franchise in the history of the NFL. Tom Brady has seven rings. The next closest is six. The Pittsburgh Steelers have six Super Bowl rings. The New England Patriots have six Super Bowl rings. And after that, the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys both have five. Tom Brady himself has more titles than any other team in the history of the NFL. That's some crazy shit. That's some shit that don't even sound right. That's some shit that don't even sound right. Tom, one man, Tom Brady has more Super Bowl championships than any other franchise in the NFL. But that's just greatness. And that's that's all I got on it, man. Respect greatness. And Tom Brady after the Super Bowl on that parade, they was wildin' wildin'. My boy Brady was fucked up. Smizzy. Smizzy and drizzy. Young and May would be proud, okay? He was a little smizzed and drizzed. They had the the video of him walking. They had to have he had his homie holding him up. He was stumbling. He was laughing all loud. Like, it was just amazing to see. And I was just, I'm honestly really happy for him because of, you know, what happened with New England. The team gave up on him. You know, they didn't think that he was really any good anymore. You know, they wanted to replace him for years. They just couldn't. And when he finally just got his chance to leave, he said, I'm going to go somewhere and they're going to really value me. And they're going to see how much I'm worth. You know, he goes to Tampa and in their first fucking year, they win the Super Bowl. It's just incredible. It's just It's just incredible to me. It's just honestly like you marvel at that type of shit. Like you just look at it and you just say, even if you don't love the guy, you just say, God damn it. Like you're just an amazing at your craft. You're just amazing at your craft. And shout out to the God, Tom Brady, man. Shout out to the God. Shout out to the God, Tom Brady. I got nothing but love and respect for what he did. Nothing but love and respect for what he did. And big shout out to Antoine Winfield Jr., player for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were about to win the game did the most petty shit I ever seen that brought the biggest smile to my face um there's a player on the San Francisco I'm not oh my god on the Kansas City Chiefs I'm sorry named Tyreek Hill he's a wide receiver and he is a he's so fast he's one of the fastest players I've ever seen if he catches the ball if you don't have a good angle on him he is going to run past you and score a touchdown. And his signature celebration, Tyreek Hill, is when he's running past the defender because the defenders can't catch him. He flashes the peace sign at the defenders to say, peace out, like I'm burning you. So Antoine Winfield, the defensive player for 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tyreek Hill um, toward the end of the Super Bowl was about to catch a pass. He couldn't catch it. It was incomplete. Antoine Winfield walked right up to Tyreek Hill's face and put the peace sign right in his motherfucking grill. Oh, it was amazing to see. It was amazing. I loved it. I was laughing hysterically. I said, oh, my God, he put the peace sign in his face. Oh, shit. And, of course, you know, he got flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct. He had to pay a fine, but that shit was fucking great. So shout out to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and shout out to Tom Brady for just being great. Like, that's just greatness, man. 43 years old. Oldest player to ever play in a Super Bowl. Oldest player to ever win a Super Bowl. Wins a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in his first year down there. Unbelievable. With no offseason, no workout program, no OTAs, nothing. No preseason. Just give me the fucking ball and let's play. And this nigga won the Super Bowl. Unbelievable. Shout out to the God Tom Brady, man. Shout out to the God. Last on the docket before I cut out it, get out of here. Um, as I want to say rest in peace to a few people who we have lost in my absence. Um, I want to make sure I recall just I mean, as many people as I can bring attention to. So, of course, rest in peace to MF Doom. Rest in peace to Larry King, television icon. Rest in peace, Larry King. Rest in peace to my mans, too. He passed and I was so I was really hurt by this one. Rest in peace to Seku Smith. Fans of sports know who Seku Smith is. Seku Smith worked for NBA television, NBA TV, and he was a analyst. He would go on and give analysis about the games and the, and recap highlights and break stories. And he was just a super, super solid guy. And, you know, I'm a big fan of sports. I always watch NBA TV when the NBA is in season, and he's always on the show. He was a super respectful guy. He never said a bad thing about a soul. He never attacked guys. He never went after guys. He just just loved the game. He just was another guy who just loved the game. He just loved the craft. And he just loved, you know, breaking down film and reporting on it and breaking down tape and going over highlights. And man, I was I was that really caught me by surprise when he passed away. So rest in peace, man. That's my man. Rest in peace to Seku Smith. Um, rest in peace to Hammerin' Hank Aaron. Rest in peace, Hammerin' Hank Aaron. That's my granddad right there. You know, when I was a kid, I used to watch baseball. That's how I got my love of baseball and the Mets from just first. I would watch my granddad lose his fucking mind over the Mets when they would play poorly. He would lose his mind over it. And I just couldn't understand it for the life of me. And then over time, it's just like I just started watching it with him and he would explain the game to me and he would explain different types of players, some of his favorite players and why he liked them so much and why he rooted for them. And one of the biggest influential players in the history of baseball, Hammerin' Hank Aaron. Rest in peace, man. What a legend. What a class act. What a upstanding individual he was. What a what a. Man, what a just what a great person he was, man. Rest in peace to Hammer and Hank Aaron. Rest in peace. Um, rest in peace to Sizzly Tyson, like another icon, another legend in, in Hollywood and acting. Just just a, a pure class act. Uh, man, just like these losses are so 
these losses are really impactful. Like the names that I'm reading off, like all of them have some meaning. All of them have, uh, they've, they were people who cemented the, a place in their respective fields, you know, rest in peace, Sizzly Tyson, rest in peace to Leon Spinks, a, a legendary boxer, rest in peace to John Chaney, legendary college basketball coach, rest in peace, Marty Schottenheimer, legendary NFL coach. Rest in peace, Mary Wilson, actress. Rest in peace, Christopher Plummer, legendary actor. And of course, I have to make sure I say it. Rest in peace to the legend, the Mamba and the Mambasita, Kobe Bryant. And rest in peace to Gianna Bryant. We love you and we miss you. We miss all of you who have left us in 2021. And our lives definitely would not be the same without having you in them. In whatever way you touched us. So whether it was MF Doom being a great artist, hip-hop artist, or Sekou Smith, just a person who loved basketball, um, who who dedicated his life to basketball. Um, Hank Aaron, who was a trailblazer, an icon, a legend in every sense of the word. Sizzly Tyson. Like all all of them have had such a profound impact on us. And it's a real loss that that they are gone. So my condolences to your family, friends, and loved ones. And just, man, thank you for all of your service in your time on this planet. Thank you for your service on this time, in your time on this planet. And rest in peace. Rest in peace to all of you. Legends. And that, guys, will wrap it up. Episode number 48 of the Bronx Buyers Podcast is in the books. I'm your host once again. My name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. Debron James. And we are back, man, and we are here to motherfucking stay. It's been such a up and down month and a half for me. But, man, I'm just so happy, so, so happy and thrilled that I could come back and pod and just talk to y'all and do what I love for a little while. And, uh, man, I, I'm just so happy. Everything I've been through, I'm so happy that you guys love and support me and that you guys really give a fuck about me. Like, it's it's so great. Like, you guys really give a fuck about me and you guys sent me love and messages and it, it really means so much to me. It does, man. It truly, truly, truly does. It means so much to me. I feel like crying. It means so much to me. You guys, man, you guys love me and you support me. And I appreciate it so much, man. I appreciate you guys so much. And um, before I start crying on Mike, we're going to wrap it up, man. Thanks again to my guy, Marlon, for answering the phone and having a little bit of dialogue with me. Um, we're going to wrap it up with a great, great, great song from a legend. This song is called Vomit Spit by MF Doom off of the album MM Food. Rest in peace to all of the legends who we have lost. And this has been the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 48. I will see you guys next week, and we are out. Sleep sometimes, blare it in your jeep so your peoples can stare at the rhymes. Real rhymes, not your everyday hologram. Even when ribs was touching, never swallowed the ham. 
He'd rather eat a sand sandwich salad. It might need salt like a man's bland ballad. A lot of stuff happens that the news won't tell you. Blues on L juice, smooths all hell loose. Break it, take it like the good, the bad, the ugly. Break it rolling through your hood in the caddy buggy. Butter softy, leather, flossy, fatty, juggy. Always threw me off when she told me, Daddy, funk me. I'm like any who's. Seeds walking all out in the street without any shoes. I guess it's better than some funky socks. You need to get her some skips before she catch the monkey pox. Instead, she wanna hit a beatbox. Take pills and make fake krills that sheetrock. Sing it, bring it back to your laboratory. While he's in his oratory, glorious like a horror story. The mask is like Jason. They told the place not to let the basket type case in. He could be some kind of wacko. Waiting for the chance to heat the pipes like a crack hole. He busted in, blessed be the Lord, who believe any mess they read up on the message board. If so, I got bridges for the Lolo, same bitch of gold dry, snitch it to the popo. Here, orange peel stoves for the whole tier, feel like I've been gone over a year, came home to old gear. It was the shit when I first scooped it, at least I get to sit out in New York and curse, stupid. Plead the fifth, sip wine stiffly, patiently come up and be spiffy in a jiffy. Gift for the grind, criminal mind shifty. Swift with the nine through a 5950. Well educated, he heard it when he meditated in deep data. Let her hate the creep plater. Dedicated cheap skater who keeps data. Say he stays self medicated to sleep later. Side effects are similar to sugar pill. Whoever go next on the mic, he put a booger ill. And made his exit on some calm shit. Begged him on the regular for kegs of more vomit spit. Mm -hmm. 